This podcast is part of a special midweek Lenten series calling us to abide in Jesus. These midweek broadcasts will happen beginning Ash Wednesday until Maundy Thursday. You're listening to Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We're coming to the conclusion of our Lenten series, Life in the Vine, in which we've been trying to figure out what it means to abide. Tonight, we're thinking about Jesus having his last meal with his disciples and then going to the garden to pray with them. And then we remember his betrayal and his arrest. Tomorrow, we think about that trial and his conviction and his suffering and carrying the cross to Gethsemane and being crucified, dead and buried. And then Saturday is a day of confusion and darkness and mostly silence. Jesus is in the tomb. We don't know much about what was going on. And then we get to Easter. But wait, we are not going to go all the way to Easter because we're still in Lent. So we're thinking about what Lent means to us. And I've heard an interesting phrase the last couple of weeks that caught my attention on blogs. And this is the phrase, People say, it was the lentiest Lent I ever Lented. And the people who've been using this phrase were referring to the unexpected coronavirus limitations that got imposed upon us. And they made observations about the drastic deprivations. No more sports, no more restaurants, no more theater, no more church. And they thought that these deprivations made a mockery out of our little Lenten disciplines that we take on. So doing without beef or without chocolate or without soda pop seems like child's play compared to not seeing our friends or not seeing our grandkids, not going out to eat, not going to the places we want to go to, not gathering for worship. It was the lentiest Lent we ever Lented. And this made me think about some of the things that I've been missing I've really been missing eating with people. I love to eat, and I love to eat with other people. I love the ministry of lunch meetings, where I can gather in a spot with someone and take care of some business while enjoying a meal, whether it's Panera or Culver's or Taco John's. I miss it. I love the special date nights I take with Mary when we get to pick one of our favorite restaurants and go hang out and enjoy a good meal and a good conversation. I miss dinner parties and dinner gatherings where we like to do dinner with people and get together and catch up. Jesus loved to eat with people. We see that he ate with his friends. He ate with crowds, sometimes thousands of people. He ate with religious leaders, important people in the community. He also ate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus loved to eat with people and People love to eat with Jesus. Now, the words that we've been abiding in over the past seven weeks are words that actually come from a time when Jesus was sitting down for a meal with his disciples. It's coming at the time when he's having this last supper with his disciples. And this little passage of scripture actually starts in John chapter 13. Jesus first washes the feet of his disciples, and then he announces the fact that someone's going to betray him. And then they begin this meal together, and Jesus starts talking. And he goes on and on and on talking for four and a half chapters while he's abiding with his disciples, lingering with them over a meal. 
Now, I recognize something about myself. When I eat alone, I tend to eat way too fast. I think the technical word for it is wolf it down. But when I eat with other people, it slows me down. We tend to take our time, and we tend to enjoy uh, long, relaxed conversations over good food. It's something I love to do. I've missed not having our Lenten meals when we gather together here. Jesus loved eating with people, and I think he loves it when people take time to abide with him and linger over a good meal and his words. So what I want to do just in the next few moments is revisit some of the words from these passages in John and just let us have some space for abiding with them to dwell with them. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to start in John 13. I'm just going to read a couple verses here and there that you can dwell with. And maybe later with your family, maybe while you're having dinner, you can continue to dwell with these words, linger with your family, and think about what they might mean for you. So first, John chapter 13, verse 33. Jesus said, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. Where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. These verses actually are the verses from which Monday Thursday gets its name. The Latin word for commandment, it translates as mandate. Um, this is the new mandate that he's given us, love one another. This is how people are going to know for followers of Jesus if we have that kind of love for each other. These are good words, aren't they, for, to, to sit with, to maybe linger with your family or someone you love. John 14, uh, some more words in this section where Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. Listen to this. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that where I am, you may be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Do not give, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Are those good words for today to abide in? My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Are these good words to abide in? John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now these beautiful words of Jesus represent what I think might be the greatest temptation that Jesus faced since he had the showdown with the devil in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus is in this moment conflicted. He's torn. What 
should he do? He did not want to be whipped and beaten. Jesus did not want nails driven through his hands and feet. Jesus did not want to suffer on the cross. Jesus did not want the torment that was coming of being separated from his father. Jesus did not want the agony of the the wrath of God that was for all humanity, for the sins of all people placed on his shoulders. Jesus did not want any of this. And yet, Jesus desired greatly to obey his father's will. Jesus desired greatly to finish what he started. Jesus desired greatly to save us from our sins. Jesus desired greatly to abide with us. And so he knew that if he wanted to accomplish that, he had to go through with the work he was called to do until it was finished. I find it fascinating that the last thing that Jesus did before he began began this um, anguished march toward the cross, the last thing he did was eat with his disciples. He had this little meal with him. He greatly desired to have this last supper with his disciples. And this is what he said. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When everything had come, they sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, Jesus said, Surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Jesus answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. This is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom." I love to eat with people, and I love to eat with Jesus, and Jesus loves to eat with us. Now, it's one of those unusual things that we're here together on Monday, Thursday, and it's the first time in my life that I'll be celebrating communion without all the people I love here with me. And so we're going to ask you to celebrate it this way, too, as we are dealing with this time we're in but to celebrate it with the people who are in your home, the people that you love that are closest to you. So I'm inviting Mary to come join me for communion. And if you guys need to go get some elements to prepare for this, feel free to pause and go get your bread, your juice, whatever you want to use for communion, and then enjoy this meal together. So as you gather around the table with the people that you love, Here is the three things we normally focus on. First, we focus on remembrance. We say, we're going to remember that Christ came, that he died, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for us. So there is a remembrance. And then we come and we have communion. We think that by eating this bread and sharing in this cup, we are abiding in the vine, just as we were told in John 15. And as we abide in the vine, we draw life from the vine. And then we come and we have hope. Because we think that this little piece of bread and this little bit of juice is just a pledge or a foretaste of a great 
feast that's coming one day. In fact, Jesus said in this passage, he's not going to eat again until that day when we are all gathered around this great banquet table with him and with all the saints, with all the people we love, and enjoying this meal together. So we have that to look forward to. As we prepare to share in this time together, we do come and we admit our own shortcomings, that it was our sinfulness, our brokenness that caused Jesus to go to the cross to be crucified, to die, and to be buried on our behalf. So we're going to pause for just a moment of confession, and then I'll lead us in a little prayer time. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, our Savior, and for the opportunities that we have to remember the work that he accomplished on our behalf. We admit, God, that we, by our sinfulness, were the reason why he had to go to the cross. But we give you our thanks and praise, acknowledging that because of his work on the cross, we are forgiven. And so we come to share in this meal, not because of the good things we've done, but because of what Christ has accomplished for us. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. So as we're sharing in, these, in this time of communion, I'm going to invite you to take your um, bread, and as you pass it, each of you use the words that we use in communion. This is Christ's body broken for you, and as you share it with the one that you love, you share that blessing, and then they'll share that blessing back with you. So I'm going to begin by sharing this with the one I love. Mary, this is Christ's body broken for you. Kent, this is Christ's body broken for you. Thank you. And Mary, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Kent, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Now, as you're sharing in this meal, we would invite you to linger and abide, continue to reflect on what we've been doing. You might want to go back and think about those passages I shared Listen to the words of Jesus and maybe talk with your family, with the ones that you love there, about which ones are the most meaningful to you or which ones struck you as the most interesting and just spend some time continuing to abide in in the word. And as you do that, you'll be wrapping up the lentiest Lent we ever Lented together. So uh, let me offer a word of prayer for this time. Lord God, we give you thanks for meeting us here in this season. And it has been a most unusual season for us for many different reasons. But we're thankful, God, that through it all, you have continued to be with us. You've continued to walk with us. You've continued to help us hear your word and to live it out in the way that you've called us to live it out in these days. So we are looking forward, God, to the remembrance of the sacrifice made on our behalf and then the celebration of the great resurrection that comes now just in a few days And we give you praise and thanks for the good work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. It's my hope and prayer that as we've gone through this whole season, you've discovered a little bit more about what does it mean to abide in Christ. And you'll see the fruit that comes from that now and in all the days ahead. And so I pray this blessing upon you. Everywhere you go, may you experience the love of God our Father, 
and the grace of his son, Jesus Christ, and the power of his Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. We pray you were blessed by today's message from Cedar Hills Community Church. For more information about our church or how to support our ministry, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.